we are in a, a, an era in our country where the uh, call to uh, be everything and anything other than what God has laid out for us is really, is really uh, sounding loudly in our ears. Uh, it's, it's never been so out of style to be Christian in the United States. And I have a, a tiny bit of a feel for what's going on around the world in the church, but it really doesn't affect us a lot because this is where we are and who we are and those people to whom we minister. So this Holy Spirit series has a special kind of push in my heart, and that's um, that we will be so on the edge for the Lord that all of the stuff that comes against us that would would compromise the heat of our enthusiasm for God, for His work, for meeting human need around us, that, that heat would, would be turned up and we will be what we ought to be in that department. Also, when John the Baptist was announcing the coming of Jesus, he said, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I'm old enough to remember when that meant fire meant uh, preaching very loudly, talking very fast, maybe running around some on the, on the platform. As you preach, that's fiery preaching. Uh, that's not what that passage is talking about. That's the fire that burns up the crud. That's a theological term. Uh, that's the fire of holiness. And holiness is not some of that stuff that I, I can remember. And some of you who are old remember when it, when it focused on stuff that's not mentioned in Scripture, but we could do lots of nifty things with Scripture to make it say that. It didn't say it, but we said it said it. I didn't, but anyway. anyway, <laughs> I'm, I probably did. Holiness does not have to do with what you look like. It has to do with the purity of your heart. And holiness, in its definition and in the original language, has, has relationship with the word integration, which is related to integrity. And it's the, it is the total covering of our life with the life of Jesus Christ. I heard one speaker the other day say it like this. I want to be so full of the Lord that if you bump up against me, you'll get Jesus spilled on you. Now, that's holiness. When, that, when we're so full of the Lord, there's not room for, for the selfishness, for these grudges that um, some of us are more prone to grudges than others. Some are, are more prone to um, different things. And that's not what I want to talk about, so I'm not going to make that list. But this is, this is holiness. And the Holy Spirit, when we get full of Him by his very name and nature, we will be aided in this integration of the life of Jesus Christ through every part 
of our being to the extent that our blind spots, our personal blind spots will be healed. Now, I'm not going to hold you accountable for your blind spots. If you just define the term, you'll understand why I'm going to give you some slack there. But I am going to hold you accountable to pray this. Holy Spirit, don't let me get by with anything. And of course, if you know of something in there, you're a rebel. Stop it. That's 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 that cry. Don't let me get by with anything. That's that cry for holiness. That's that cry for the blind spots. That's that cry for the integration of what God has for us. Today, I want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. There are three lists of spiritual gifts in uh, the Pauline epistles. Uh, one is in Romans, the 12th chapter, verses uh, 6 through 8. We call those the motivational gifts. We've taught on those and probably will do that. I, I don't know whether we will or not, but uh, I, got a, I got a request for them earlier today. And um, there's a list in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, of ministry gifts. Uh, the five ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. This is the third list, and it is the gifts of the Spirit available to each one. And this, let, let me just read it. First uh, Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good is the theme of this section of Paul dealing with uh, these manifestations of the power of God, the Holy Spirit. The list begins to one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another by the same Spirit, faith, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. This Holy Spirit manifestation comes in a variety, this variety that we have just seen here. They are to build up and sanctify the church of Jesus Christ. These are given according to the Spirit's will. This is the Holy Spirit making this call. And uh, the call is... Uh, for the, these things to come through an individual to each one. And, and you know I'm going to want to say now, what is it about each one that you don't understand when you're sitting there saying, not for me? Uh, you don't want to do that because flowing with the Lord is more fun than you can otherwise afford, Okay. The anointing of God becomes addictive. It is fun to see God's hand. A few weeks ago, uh, one of our guys who was new in the congregation and, and was new to our, our particular brand of Christianity uh, came up to me, and he didn't come up to me. He was in this prayer line down here, and, and when I got to him... Uh, 
He said, I want you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And it was not a good time to get into the technical stuff of how he had not asked correctly, okay? And so he asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, so I just did it, or the Lord did, as it were. And uh, I made three or four sentences of explanation. Uh, He was from a church background that would not have uh, been happy about tongues. I said, now, you know the tongue's going to come. He knew that. He'd, that's, he'd worked through that and was down here and uh, laid hands on him, started speaking in tongues, and I went on to the next person. Now, that, folks, gives me goosebumps this morning. That's fun. Okay? That is like, yes! Whoa! Because this is a blessedness, and we need these things flowing through us. Manifestations are given according to the Spirit's will. Some gifts will be manifested through an individual regularly, and we'll say they have the gift of. Others may flow through us to a particular need. It's always interesting when you get into this to this thing, and I will say in a minute that we need to be seeking the gifts. And uh, the question, if you haven't gotten to it yet, you'll get there. Well, what's the best gift? And the answer to that is, what's the immediate need? And if a message in tongues and interpretation is not um, the immediate need, then what is? What's the need? And these gifts will cover most of the needs that we have uh, as we dig into them. And I also want to point out that we are told to seek seriously. The King James, uh, this is so poetic and sounds good, and it's so strong in my mind. Covet earnestly. Okay, that's a good coveting, okay? Covet very seriously. Long for Seek seriously the best gifts, and notice plural, gifts. So if the Lord has has been flowing through you in this or that gift, and it's okay to say, Lord, I'd like to be used more widely. You know, here I am, sign me up. We'll get to that chance. We're going to have a sign-up sheet later. Uh, I think I need to say this going forward. It's unscriptural and it's unwise to um, think that because someone exercises a spectacular gift, that that person is more spiritual than one who has a less spectacular gift. Did you follow that? The, the, The drama connected with a particular gift does not indicate spirituality or the lack thereof in the life of the one who brings that gift from the Lord to us. Possessing a gift does not mean God approves of all that we might believe or teach. Spiritual gifts do not, get this, this is a whole sermon in itself, and I'm going to do it in one paragraph. Spiritual gifts do not necessarily parallel the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is about character. It's about uh, 
living with the kind of personality uh, flowing through that Jesus lived out. So the fruit of the Spirit is Christian character. It's sanctification. That's what that's about. Now, I also want to say that spiritual gifts can be counterfeited by Satan or false workers disguising themselves as servants of Christ. So that would say then that we need to be careful about believing every spiritual manifestation. But we ought to, as in 1 John 4.1, test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we, we test these things. By the way, I may forget to say it later on. I don't remember writing it in these notes. Um, in, in the speaking gifts in the church service, the call is for the judging of those words. And I've had people say to me, rarely through the years, uh, what do we do about that? And the, the answer is, every one of us who know the Word of God are going to be judging that. But more specifically, I will be judging every word that is uttered here for two or three reasons. One, because we're told to judge that. And that doesn't mean I'm judgmental. It means I'm listening very, very careful and assessing whether this is uh, scriptural, whether this leads us to godly living, whether, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And so uh, the judging goes on. And um, we, we will, if we had a problem, we would just have to take care of it. And on rare occasions through the years, I've had to speak to people. And uh, as a rule, I don't do that publicly. The scripture doesn't say do that publicly. It might satisfy those of you who are kind of prophet in black and white and say, they were wrong. <laughs> you know, just kill them. Uh, but that's, that's not real kind of like. Shepherd stuff, okay. And I'm I'm tend to do shepherd stuff more than anything else. Okay, let's go to this list. Number one, the message of wisdom, and uh, where message is translated here in the NIV, that is the word logos, which which uh, meant wisdom way back in a, in the ancient Greek, but it came to mean word or spoken word um, in the level of Greek that this was written. Message of wisdom is a wise utterance spoken through the operation of the Holy Spirit. This is not wisdom that comes from seeking the Lord, learning the Scripture, humbling yourself before the Word of God, and so forth. That kind of wisdom is extremely marvelous wonderful, valuable, and every one of us need that. Okay. Um, I, I, I need you to, to join me in this. Would you please? Um, so word of wisdom could be, I, one time, uh, you remember um, Crystal Martin who was here uh, maybe on a Mother's Day a year and a half ago, beautiful little blonde woman who was head of Chi Alpha International Ministries. And then uh, the next 
first of the year, her husband, Scott Martin, was here. And Scott is the son of a guy and gal that came to our church in Winslow. And um, they were just our dearest friends. Matter of fact, we led his mom to the Lord and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, these people got married and uh, she was Catholic and uh, he was Assembly of God. She went to Mass early and came to the morning service and the other services and we became good friends because we were about the same age. They were both school teachers. And um, this, this just was working great until she got pregnant. And if you're, if you're Catholic background, you know that a baby that dies that hasn't been baptized goes directly to hell. He does not pass go. He does not collect $200. goes directly to hell. And that's not funny. That's not funny. And uh, Leroy is about as flexible as a railroad tie, like the rest of us. And um, so she started talking about having this baby baptized, and boy, he was just not having anything of that. Well, she was just pushing back, and it wasn't good at their house. And one morning, he came early because of his schedule, and I wasn't wide awake when I stumbled to the door and let him in. I'm sitting there because it was he. I didn't put any clothes. I'm sitting there in my underwear <laughs> as I recall the picture. And, and Leroy, Scott's dad, is sitting there and he's in tears. And he doesn't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit came on me. And I said, all right, you do this, this, and this, and you stop this, this, and this. Now, I know it was the Holy Spirit because he did what I said. That would have been good advice. And, of course, if the Holy Spirit gives us, it's great advice. But if the Holy Spirit hadn't been in that moment, he wouldn't have done that because that was putting her first in a whole bunch of stuff. Well, he just did what I said. And everything just smoothed out. It was wonderful. In the meantime, before the baby came, she got saved, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a word of wisdom. For a problem situation, for a, for a, a sticky a set of circumstances, we need wise, wiser than we are, wise words. And the Holy Spirit is wise. The next one is a message of knowledge or word of knowledge. This um, word of knowledge is like what Jesus did when he met the woman at the well in Sychar in, in the Samaritan area uh, north of Jerusalem there. And the she was, she was so messed up. She was a good, pure Samaritan in, in that her theology was really cracked, okay? <laughs> Jesus did not, he did not play it easy with her theology. He said, you're wrong, we're right. But then he told her some stuff about her. That was a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit gave him a couple of details about her personal life 
that he had no way in the world of knowing. And you know what happened? She got saved. The word of knowledge is one of the most important evangelistic tools. That's one of the things that I think every one of us ought to be praying for so that when we meet this person in the restaurant, in the uh, convenience store or grocery store or wherever you are, shopping or at the game or wherever, and the Lord shows you something and you just tell them very low-key, you talk about open to the gospel. It's a miraculous knowledge that just fits that person, word of knowledge. Uh, there is faith, and faith is that by which we live. You know, the just shall live by. We are Protestants, and we live by faith. But this is a faith that is beyond what uh, we've had. Now, I, I saw that work in some lives last winter when we challenged you who were not tithing to try it. Tithe challenge, it was called. 90 days, tithe, see what happens. We'll keep the money that you pay in to the church separate and if you say it's not working, we'll just give it back to you. And so we had 12 or 14 people who rose to that. And, and there was the gift of faith I know that came upon one person because you couldn't keep them quiet. They would bubble all over you about what God was doing in finances and in their profession. Now, that's faith. It's faith to believe what we need to believe God for. And it's not saving faith. This is not about that. This is about able to believe God's promises in specific things that are other than being saved in our daily walk. Number four is gifts of healings. This is interesting because all through the years we've said gift of healing, but in the original language, both words are plural, gifts of healings. And I don't know why the Lord split it up like that, except maybe because the diseases that need to be healed are so myriad. So the Lord then gives, have you noticed that when you pray for somebody to be healed and they ever get healed, that will be the kind of disease that, that doesn't happen to you? Well, okay, that point's going to be kind of moot here, but... Uh, in the fourth chapter of Acts, Peter and John have been reprimanded and threatened because they healed the lame man at the gate beautiful, recorded in chapter 3. So they go back to the church, and they raise their voices in prayer, and they don't say, oh, God, smite those evil enemies, the Sanhedrin, or protect us from ever having to go through this hard stuff again. What they said was, stretch forth your hand and do signs and wonders. That's what got him in trouble. Just turn it up, Lord, turn it up. And, and it goes like this, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, they wanted gifts of healings. Jesus manifested that because he seemed to have all of the gifts of healings. You say, he was God. 
He was God, but he was not walking around healing people as God. He was walking around healing people with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep that in mind, folks. If you think that this is about God taking on flesh somehow, but still being God, this is not what was happening. This was the man, Christ Jesus. If that's not true, then I think it was a hoax to say that he was filled with the Spirit at his baptism. Spirit came down in the form of a dove, and John had been told ahead of time by the Holy Spirit, the one that you see the Holy Spirit descend on and stay, that's the one. And it was Jesus. And he was the truly charismatic man. These are the charismatic gifts. Uh, that's a transliteration from uh, some of these, from this uh, Greek word of grace gifts or spiritual gifts. And he manifested these gifts to heal people and to bring forth all of this good stuff. Now, miraculous powers. Um, there's, Jesus' life is so full of those. Uh, walking on the water, feeding the 5,000, um, all of that stuff. And that's sort of the gift of power that doesn't fit under any of these other gifts that God needs to do something to meet this need. That's, that's that gift. God is out to take care of us, to meet our needs and the needs of those around us, and to push forward the message of His Son, and so we need to keep that in mind. Now, prophecy is number six, and it is in the public worship service the most highly valued gift, although tongues and interpretation are given this an equal footing in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, or the, an equal level there of importance, but prophecy can be foretelling the future, but more often in Scripture and out of Scripture, it is uh, the word that comes to the church that raises faith. Now, and you begin to see this overlap between gift of faith and that stuff. Uh, there's all, I've already mentioned the overlap between tongues and interpretation and prophecy. Uh, Prophecy can be encouraging to the extent that it, uh, it almost becomes a word of knowledge. It almost becomes a word of wisdom. So prophecy, and it's not by definition what the New Testament calls preaching. Now, there are a lot of churches that have said, if prophecy is just preaching, we have that gift. I imagine that in those guys and gals that seek the Lord in that circle of church, even though they don't believe in the gifts like we do, that prophecy may come out because there are times when the Holy Spirit will speak a word of prophecy through me. And it doesn't mean it's foretelling, but it's something I had no intention of saying. It's something I didn't know about. I recall one time uh, way back in the 80s, we were, we were dealing with uh, so many people who had been victimized by sexual child abuse as little tiny people. And they were up now in their late 20s, early 30s, 
in, maybe even into their 40s, and those memories were surfacing, and it was wrecking their lives. And I, I, I did so much psychotherapy that, it, and I'm not a therapist, which is kind of scary, but I didn't have any choice because we didn't have good people to send them to. And then we begin to get these great, these great uh, therapists that could pick up some of those, uh, of those great needs. In the process of dealing with their pain, I unconsciously set a different standard for their Christian life. I cut them some slack. But I didn't cut for me and you. We have to be holiness. We have to be integrated, that whole deal. And I was, I was letting them off more easily than that. And I was in the middle of a sermon, and it was in the multipurpose room over on Blue Ridge Cutoff, and I was standing along about right here, and the Lord, in the middle of the sermon, and the Lord nailed me with what I was doing. And that was a word of prophecy to me, so I just changed my whole stance and said, girls, if the promises of God are real, they come to you too. Now, it's a longer trip sometimes. It's a harder struggle. All kinds of screwball stuff emotionally. You, you recognize these scientific terms, don't you? Uh, come up in our minds when we're dealing with this. It's awful. I'm not saying it's light stuff. I'm saying God is not intimidated by the weight of our stuff. And the word of prophecy can come to make it work for you. Okay. We need to seek that gift, by the way. That's a great gift for every one of us to have. There is a, a distinguishing between spirits. And um, King James says discerning of spirits. And that got flip-flopped somewhere through the years. And a lot of people call it spirit of discernment. No, it's not a spirit of discernment. It's a discerning of spirits. And mostly would be used to discern if it's the right spirit that's speaking out in a service. Or maybe not mostly, but that would certainly be an application. Distinguishing between spirits. There is also that distinguishing between spirits that happens when somebody is demonized. I remember one time being at a camp. Um, it was a youth camp. And we were having this just knockdown drag out altar service. It was wonderful. God was moving. Kids were being saved and filled with the Spirit. It was a great time. And I heard this scream across the room. And it was not, didn't fit. And the Holy Spirit just picked me up, just kind of set me over there, it seemed like. I don't remember getting there. I just remember being there very quickly. And we had to deal with a demonic presence there. That was an operation in a, in a small way of the discerning of spirits, distinguishing between spirits. We had a guy come to our church in Arizona, young married man, and uh, he was strange in a lot of ways. And uh, the Lord gave me a grace to deal with him. That just, If you know me, you know that God was in this thing. Uh, because for about a week or 10 days, 
every night at 12.15, our phone would ring, and he would ask me to come pray for him because he couldn't go to sleep. And I would get up and dress and, and drive over to his house, not very far in Winslow, so however many blocks it was to his house, and pray for him, and I guess he went to sleep. And that, that happened several nights in a row. One night, uh, it was about midnight. I'm not sure it was 12.15, but it was midnight-ish. Uh, one of the servers, a gal from one of the restaurants there in town, called and said this guy was asking for me, and it was this guy. And he was, he was kind of passing out in his coffee when I got there. And I was embarrassed because a uh, city council meeting had run late that night, and, and these guys were all friends of mine, these city councilmen. And, you know, I was like, okay. But he, he was um, in bad shape, and I didn't know what the deal was. Found out later that he had taken some um, tranquilizers, and he, he hadn't been eating. He'd just been drinking coffee. And these tranquilizers are just about to put him out. So I got him up and got him out of there, and I was in fine physical shape, and he didn't weigh but about 125 pounds. He was, he was really lanky, lanky, lanky. Um, that's, that's code for skinny. And uh, I got him out of the restaurant and into the car, and he, was, he became suicidal, and he was going to kill himself. He was going to jump out of the car. And I thought... Just try it, sucker. I'll help you. No, I didn't. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, by the way, when you have those thoughts in a problem situation, don't disqualify yourself. That's called a temptation. Don't kill them, okay? Just, just praise God for the temptation and going about your business of trying to help. So I, I drove him around and, and uh, tried to talk to him sensibly for two or three hours went to the emergency room at the local hospital and all these gals in there were my friends because I would call on that hospital and I was embarrassed, but that's not about me and my reputation. I figured it out. I forget that every once in a while. But anyway, um, that didn't do much good. So um, he wanted to go to the church. He was a keyboardist and he wanted to go to the church and play the organ and so... I uh, took him, and he went over and was, was playing the organ, and, and uh, uh, I just made a pallet, I mean a, a bed on our couch, put down a quilt or brought a pillow or whatever, and uh, while he was over there, went over there, and he had passed out off, off the stool, and I got him up and got him back over and got him laying down, and about the time I laid him down, he wasn't going to lay down. And suddenly, this anger came up in me, and I said, I, I, I worked out with the wrestling team, and I weighed about 180 pounds, and I was in excellent shape, and I just, it was like, <laughs> you're not going anywhere, fella. And so I just, I don't know whether I put a half Nelson, I don't remember what I did. He didn't go. He stayed right there. And instantly, Eunice was up and out there and praying with us. It was like distinguishing between spirits had focused. 
And it had been great with me if the Lord had done that about five hours earlier and I would have saved all this embarrassment with my friends in town. But, you know, it's not about my embarrassment. I, I, I guess that's right. I'm not sure for sure. But. And we prayed for him, and the Lord delivered him from a demon, and he was normal, which is weird because he was weird to start with. <laughs> and that is a picture of, you know, we like it nice and clean, and it's like, he has a demon, I need to get him in the private place and deal with it, <laughs> if only it were that clean. But you see, life is not that clean, and we need to be careful that we don't demand that it come to us like that. Some of us who are compulsive, we really would like for it to get laid out like this, and of course, you'll have one of those sometime. And all the rest of them will be screwed up like that. But that's what God does. Number eight is speaking in different kinds of tongues. I get reports every once in a while from around the country of, of this or that tongue that has been identified by some stranger in the congregation as X language. We have had two instances in this congregation since I've been here of of a tongue being given, given in Arabic and the in, interpretation coming um, forth according to the Arabic speaker that identified that as being very well. And these are, these are guys, I know these guys are, they don't know Arabic, trust me. Um, one was German, and that, didn't, that happened not too long ago. It's really interesting when this happens because we don't even know it. And then these people come and tell us what, who, who, how, you know, and we say, they're just like the rest of us, just, you know, I, I read Greek and have taken a little Spanish and I tried to do English and uh, that's kind of the way we are, you know, but these people will be in the service and it's, of course, that is a great sign to them. And it is encouraging to us. And that happens right here in this place, which is really, really interesting. Then there's the interpretation of tongue, which is the interpretation of that message in tongues. Um, tongues and interpretation are limited. Um, in, in one church service, you can read in, in 1 Corinthians 14 about those things. As a matter of fact, you need to refresh that in your mind every once in a while because those are very important things to know. Now, I... I want to do something here. I want for all of you, those of you who are very, very old and those of you who are not quite so old and those of you who in no way would call yourself old unless you're talking to your little kid, and then those of you that are uh, adolescents or whatever, wherever you are, I want all of us to get this. The Lord gave these gifts on purpose. If we are not flowing in those gifts, we are subnormal. You are not an average Christian in the sense of God's average. The average Christian before the Lord is one that operates in one or more of these gifts. Are you with me? Now, kids, I think... <clears throat> in face of the stuff 
that you're having to deal with in school, on the job, that it would be incredible if you got with your friends like you're sitting among, or if you're not sitting, if you're a kid and you're not sitting over here, and prayed together that God would do that in each of your lives so that when the opportunity comes that you'll have something powerful, anointed of God to speak to those people or to just touch them and heal them. Is that, do you realize I'm talking to your teenagers? Can they do that? No, but God can. God can. This is not a big deal. It's a small deal. We are going to have to cross that line where we are willing to pray for someone in public. Now, we ought to be freer to do that now than ever because anything goes as compared to what it was 20 years ago. And if we will move into that, and I, would you please take that challenge I gave to, to our teens and just apply it to yourself on the job, at the house. You say, but if I did that, they'd think I'm a hypocrite because of the way I act at the house. Well, hello. There's a little message for you there. Claim it. And if you're, if you're perfectionistic so that if you ever lost your temper in front of your family, you need to ask their forgiveness if you haven't, and then forgive yourself and get over that stinking perfectionism so that it won't keep you from being a channel for the power of God. Because this is God for humankind where we live. The gifts of the Spirit are not some super thing that, that happened a hundred years ago at Azusa Street, and then 1914, the Assemblies of God came into existence, and no doubt there were spiritual gifts in exercise there. My grandfather was there. I don't know whether there were spiritual gifts. I would assume there are. It's probably in the minutes. I could probably dig out the archives and read that, but it doesn't matter because if they didn't have them, they're still for us today because the Scripture's clear. And I'm tired of us being cool because cool does not cut it, honey. You say, well, if I'm going to get the attention of this guy, he's an intellectual. Listen, when he's in trouble, you give him a word of knowledge, something he had no way of knowing, and you'll have his attention. Try it. And I call you today. I call you today to shift gears in seeking the best gifts. And I would like for this entire congregation to take a stand that says, I want more of that stuff. If you think it's old-fashioned, I don't know what old-fashioned means. Yes, it's old in the Pentecostal stuff. It's 100 years old, unless you're, unless you're a Christian, and then it's a couple thousand years old. Yes, it's quite old. 
and it's as new as tomorrow when the need is confronted. May we stand. I'm going to call us to prayer. If you're not walking with Jesus, that word on the cross earlier that that we gave, please take that word. The cross of Jesus Christ deals with all of your sin. He will forgive every sin. When these people walk forward in a minute, come with them and just receive the Lord. This is good. I want you to do it down here. You don't have to. It's not holier here. But if you're saying, no, I don't want to go, you probably need to come. Because we need to get ourselves out of the way so that we can make ourselves a candidate for this that the Lord has for us. And if you are willing to seek the Lord about going up a level in the spiritual gifts that flow through you, I want you to join me down here. Just face the front when you get here, and we're going to pray together. God bless you as you come.